0: Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Chris Verone, Brian Kelly and Dan Nathan tonight on the show. It is make or break moment for the semi stocks and maybe for the entire market. We'll tell you what Wall Street's waiting for, plus Tesla. Hits the skids. The stock falling again today, now down 15 percent this year. And one top analyst says it is about to get a lot worse for shareholders. We've got the details. We start off, though, with a big story of the day, the Boeing fallout. The stock down another 5 percent today after a number of countries and airlines ground one of its models. Let's get to Phil LeBeau in Chicago, who's been following every angle as it's been unfolding. Phil.
1: Melissa, the numbers are not good. Let's take a look at how many airlines as well as countries or regions have grounded the 737 MAX line of planes from Boeing. Right now, it stands at 36. 36- Uh, airlines that have grounded the plane. That amounts to about 64% of the global fleet and in terms of either countries or regions we're not going to list them all because it's too long of a list, but you've got the European Union, you've got China, you've got Australia, you've got India. That's just a few of the countries that have said, we don't want this plane flying in our country. So as you take a look at shares of these, uh, these companies that are out there still flying it, most notably the three U.S. airlines, American Southwest and And uh, United, we're going to talk about this chart in just a little bit because that's 2013. Let's start. First off, who is flying the Max? Ten airlines right now still flying it. And most notably, the ones in North America, Southwest American United, Air Canada also flying it. Here's the reason why. The FAA calls the plane airworthy. Take a look at Boeing shares or I should actually tell you how much Boeing shares have dropped since Sunday 11%. That's when we had the first inclination that we could see some groundings when China said, we don't want the plane flying. And this brings up the question, have we seen this before, Melissa? And yes, we have seen this before. And if you're an investor, you should be encouraged despite what we've seen Boeing shares go through over the last couple of days. Now let me show you the chart showing 2013, January of that year. There are a couple of battery fires for the 787 Dreamliner. There were only about 50 of these flying at the time. And immediately, Japan said, ground it. We don't want it flying. It wasn't long after that that the FAA said, ground it. We need to figure out what's causing these battery fires. It was a huge story. It lasted for three months. Eventually, they put the uh, plane back in the air after they figured out exactly what was wrong with the lithium-ion batteries. They had to institute some fixes in the aircraft. They did that. Look what the stock did. Up 81 percent. 81 percent in 2013. And it started at the beginning of the year, Melissa, with everyone saying the sky is falling. The Dreamliner is going to be dead in the water. This is a disaster for Boeing shareholders. Look what ultimately happened there. Not saying that's going to happen with the 737 MAX because this is still unfolding. We don't know where it's going to lead. We don't even know what they, what's coming out of these investigations with Ethiopia and Indonesia. But that is one indication that while it's horrific right now, The shareholders ultimately were rewarded there.
0: Phil, do you know offhand what the timeframe was between uh, the Dreamliner and and the first battery explosion, say, till the time that it was actually grounded?
1: Yeah, it was about 90 days. It was 90 90 days. days. It was January to the end of April. And I remember, you know, all these reports were coming out. We did a lot of the reports where we said, look, we've learned that they're going to make these changes with the battery in terms of compartmentalizing it within the Dreamliner. And little by little, the stock started recovering, and almost every analyst that I talked to at the time said, I know it looks bad right now, but you have to look at the backlog of orders that are here. These customers are not going to run away for good. They will be there.
0: Sure. Although, in that case, we did know exactly what the cause was. It was a battery and you don't, fire, and, and, and we, don't we don't know what it is right here. So We that's don't know what it is here.
1: And, by the way, Melissa, we don't know. It could be something related to a part or an engine or yep. some other component in there that Boeing's not responsible for, or it could be pilot error. There's so many sure. possibilities here. Hey, hey Phil.
2: So you just mentioned backlog of orders. I look at two thousand and nineteen estimates are for one hundred and ten billion dollars in sales. One hundred and twenty-four yep. billion next year. What percentage of that is this this plane, the seven three seven Max Eight?
1: No, it's a huge percentage. I, I I don't know the exact number, but you're looking at about fifty one hundred orders. You've got about seven years worth of orders. The bulk of their orders, where their free cash flow is going to be coming from, it's with the 737 max. And that's why they expect to ramp up production from 52 a month where it is right now, up to 57 by the end of the year. And they're already looking guys at the possibility of 62, whether that's in the next year, next couple of years, um, depending on you know if they can get past this and they can obviously move forward and go up to 57 and then look forward from there.
0: All right. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau, very busy at work on Boeing this week. And, of course, <laughs> Boeing is the worst performer in the Dow for the second straight day, down 11 percent in these two days. How much worse can this get for Boeing? And as a trader, as a trader, if you love Boeing stock last Friday, is this your chance, Tim?
3: Yeah. Well, I, I, I might have said even yesterday that, you know, somewhere around this morning's levels, around 365 yesterday morning. So it went down to the same level today. Uh, this was down essentially 16 percent from the highs of 440. This was a gift. Uh, that's a gift again today if day over day uh, you have no other comments from the FAA, but, but more importantly, Thursday or Friday when we get the results of the black box. None of this diminishes the, the, the tragedy at, at, at the heart of all this. Uh, but as Phil pointed out, there have been times in the history of this company where you've actually had this period where you've had you know, multiple events over the course of a couple times. Also go back to 1988 when the 737 was essentially just hatched. And they had two fatalities within, uh, I think, about 12 months. And on the second one, the FAA also got involved. When the FAA gives one of these air uh, worthiness directives, it's not necessarily a death knell. And in fact, what we've seen is that often as they work with the company to then come up with uh, solutions, et cetera, that this is actually a chance that the stock begins to rally. So um, we do not have new information day over day. What we do have is every country in the world effectively, except ours, grounding this airplane, and what does that mean for sentiment? In the short run, the trader in me says, first of all, you break 360, you get out of the way on this stock. Hmm. But in the short run, until we do, and no new information, I wouldn't be selling the shares right now. Speaking of levels, Speaking of levels,
4: when you look at charts, uh, the stock has actually done everything you would want it to do, given the backdrop. Uh, 360 was the big level. It held the 200-day moving average. Mm -hmm. I would also note, it filled a gap from January 30th. There was a big up gap. All you've done here is come down and fill it. The stock is still up 25%, Year to date. So if we forgot about what happened and just said on March 11th, would you uh, accept uh, the stock up 30% year to date? I think a lot of us would say yes. It's back to a good level. I think you'd take a shot on the long side.
0: That's a very simplistic view of it. I mean, with all due respect, that didn't come out in the right way. No, but I mean, course. just to say it dropped, and that if girl. we didn't know why, would you That's accept money. it? Yes. You have to understand why, and and the yeah. reason why is not the first plane crash. It is the second plane crash on this airplane model. And while this may sound incendiary, or whatever, this is what sentiment is, right? Sure. Jumping well, to the worst case scenario.
4: I think what's notable when you look at the two biggest suppliers uh, of Boeing, Hexel and Spirit Air. Right. Both those stock act really well here. Those have not reflected the same um, type of pain uh, that we've seen here. Also, Boeing. The last two days, they tried to close in on the lows and they couldn't. I like names that don't close on the lows. That's true.
5: It actually has acted fairly well, technically, and when you look at 365, 367, the market's telling you right now that's where you're pricing this risk. We're in this period of pricing out what the risk here, tons of uncertainty. That being said, I actually think we do have incrementally more information today. We have 64% of the fleet grounded, probably some other percentage of the fleet that's out there that is still being flown by airlines that haven't grounded it but can't fly into the EU and Singapore and all these things. So a significant portion of the fleet is grounding takes a significant risk off the table that there's another incident before this gets fixed. And so to me, at 365, 367, you got to be nimble. I think it's worth taking that risk to the point that Phil made is that at some point, this is a huge part of their revenue stream, 20 30% of their revenues, they got to fix this problem. And so when the problem gets fixed, the stock could recover.
2: Right. So they don't know what the problem is, and it's going to take a while, like Mel just said, to figure that out. And I think the next kind of shoot a drop is very likely that the FAA is going to actually have to say, we have to ground these planes. And when that happens, this stock is going to be much lower. All those airlines that you said act really well are going to act a lot worse. It's going to be massively disruptive if that happens. Obviously, I have no idea if that happens, but here's a stock that's trading well above a market multiple, uh-huh. expect be to grow revenues uh, 10% year-over-year year in 2019. Earnings 26%. And it's going to look really expensive if analysts have to start chopping 2019 and 20 earnings because they're just not certain whether they're going to be making those 50, I'm a buyer on a, if the FAA grounds it. Okay. Sure, like, Absolutely. You know, we're yeah, talking about we more you know, information. a simple level at uh, 362.5. That was the gap level from January earnings. It stopped there almost to a dime yesterday, right? If it goes through there, there's a lot of room below that.
3: As, as, as instructive and 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 Phil laid out some really important information about the background here. He talked about 2013 Mm -hmm. lithium battery. I talked about uh, 1988. Boeing had not been on this kind of a heroic run going into those two incidents, which is what Dan's talking about. I mean, the reality is sentiment on the stock and right here has been so bullish for a company that's never executed better, that really had left a lot of their dysfunction of the the, the middle part of this decade, frankly, and possibly all of the early, you know, the the, the first decade of this century. Um, Boeing was not a company that necessarily was... You know, bathed in excellence in terms of how they were ex- executing and getting these jets off the assembly line. So, uh, are we going to start thinking that way again? This company does not deserve the same premium. I
0: mean, this is a stock that people just a couple days ago were saying is a non-cyclical, cyclical at this point. It's got <laughs> such a great. Oh, that's where I heard it from. And, from that anyway, side of the net. And I the, still think it. The I, backlog is so long and so smooth. Well, that hold we on can, a second, see. Okay. So
3: non-cyclical, cyclical applies to the the definition of the the business the company's in and the airline industry does not not take into account when a company has an you know an idiosyncratic disaster, yeah, sure. um, which would be related to quality control, which is core to what these guys do for a living. So um, I, I still think it could be that company, especially when it's an effective right. duopoly globally. Where are you going right. to go? Right. Do we think
5: the backlogs are going to be going to go down, decline because of this? I mean, if they don't fix it, then uh, the company's got know. a huge problem. Well, if, if the, planes but are the backlogs still grounded, really going to be down? Uh,
2: if those planes are still grounded by airlines, international airlines, they're not going to actually probably, they're probably going to delay those orders or whatever they, you know, haven't done because they're going to buy three next year. They're going to buy, you know, I mean, that's Depends whatever. how long the, the grounding cool. is, right? Does that just it mean means that, means that Airbus is fix. the big winner here?
4: Uh, we had 52-week highs uh, on that stock Only,
0: today. If, only if airlines switch. If they actually can switch to the A321 single aisle, then sure, yeah. Well, if you look at the response of the airlines today,
4: these were bad charts going into this. UAL, basically fresh lows. American, basically fresh lows. Delta's the only one that showed up today in any capacity.
2: Which has
0: no Max 8s, by no the way, No max eight. The fleet. stock
4: outperforms. That's how you play the airline. You
2: know, out. I'll throw something else in here. You know, thinking about how dicey these trade talks are, we heard about over the weekend that Beijing is pushing back a little bit. I think this is actually the worst possible news for the U.S. trade delegation here. When you think about it, obviously this is a huge export of the U.S. here. We know that China is trying to develop a very similar plane, a single aisle, you know, competitor to this sort of thing you know Airbus is you know really focused obviously on Boeing throughout Europe here we have picked uh, trade disputes with our Enemies and our allies alike here. So to me, I actually think that this is just this is just bad news yeah, for but the trade. Dan,
3: talks. everybody grounded this plane. The Chinese seemed like they were first, and it seemed like it was politics. But everybody in the world grounded this plane except uh, us.
2: I, so so as long as yes, we stay out, I'm just telling you, it just it, the optics of it are not great. It's not a political statement. It's just you know. But this I don't is think this affects
3: is. a trade deal. I mean, really? is, if the yeah, I mean, if the okay. question here is 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 Boeing going to be the company that suddenly exerts you know or, or takes any levers the U.S. had of getting a trade settlement? I, I think that's Crazy. I think, Tim, not only does this not affect a
4: trade deal, this hasn't been a market issue. This has been a Boeing issue. Industrials right. ex-Boeing have actually acted Out pretty for, good yeah. the last yeah. several pretty days. So before. there's a message there as well.
0: All right. Coming up, more trouble for Tesla as the company battles the SEC. One top analyst says the stock is about to suffer for a different reason. We've got the details. Plus, semi-stocks are soaring this year, but the rally could be about to come to a screeching halt. We will explain. And later, it's a Fast Money First. Top technician Chris Verone here stepping up to the plate to give us a fast pitch. You will not believe which stock he says time is heading time. higher. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money coming up next. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares a Tesla falling today after two analysts cut their price targets on the electric car maker. It is our call of the day. Morgan Stanley's Adam Jonas says Tesla is hitting a demand air pocket earlier than expected. This is CEO Elon Musk is fighting back against the SEC, accusing them of trampling his free speech. The stock is down 15 percent this year. Is there a clear path ahead? Ha ha for Tesla. (laughs) Okay.
5: well, there's a clear path ahead, I think, for investors in this. I mean, you just hit mute on all this noise. I mean, for the last several years, for the last three years, we've had unbelievably great news. And then we've had unbelievably horrible news. We've had an SEC investigation. We've had they're not going to raise money. We've had that they're selling more cars than they thought they were going to sell. And the stock just traded between, let's call it 250 and 380 or so. And the 200-day moving average has really kind of served as the base of this channel, if you want to call it that. So I think bouncing off 275, which is the 200-day moving average right now, I think you can take a shot and buy this here. I mean, what's going to happen with Elon Musk? They're going to fine him, maybe Stock's not going to react to that. If there is a downturn, I don't think the stock reacts to that. I think the holders of the stock are much longer term. They're talking about changing a bunch of things out there, a disruptive type of company with a 5 to 10 political. year horizon. What
0: if this gets political in that the, I mean, Elon Musk said on 60 Minutes, I have no respect for the SEC, or I disrespect the, the short SEC. Something sellers to that of the, it to short Seller's the Enrichment Commission. the Short Seller's commission. Enrichment Commission. Let's enrichment say the SEC commission. says, you know what, slap on the wrist, says, that's not good anymore. We gave you a shot at that. You are no longer going to be CEO. You will be whatever, chief creative officer, whatever the hell you want to call your title? It's just what, what, the it's stock just what
3: Elon Musk wants. Okay, look, this to me, you talk about noise, I, I think Elon, I think Elon Musk wants the SEC as a scapegoat. I think this is a classic case of let's create a distraction a scapegoat around...
0: Scapegoat for what? For the stock going down? Does the stock a, go a, down if, the, if a, Elon Musk
3: becomes a chief? A scapegoat whatever? for the lack of execution. I mean, we, we let in talking about a, a, a major air pocket in demand, but more importantly, I think the issues... Uh, are around the, the balance sheet of the company, the ability to generate free cash flow, the inability to get to market. And Brian talked about it's all noise. I mean, is it noise that the company has cut capex, cut guidance, cut staff, cut stores, cut yeah, prices? Yeah, but we've heard the story so many back. times. There's always been these horrible things with Tesla and they
5: actually stocks end up done some nothing way pulling in five years. That's my point. You trade it from years. 275 to 380 If you trade it in that range, if you just hold on to it for five years, then who cares?
4: But you can trade this range. It's pretty reliable. Brian, the, the problem I have here is the only people who have made money on this stock are those that haven't played, right? This is traded been, the range. This has been dead money. You look at how it's performed this year in a risk-on year. You've underperformed meaningfully. It's not dead money, in- though,
3: Chris. I mean, people have lost money. Oh, I mean, or think, or about, it's think worse. about the it's volatility. Stock sure. done nothing over five years sure. with enormous volatility, where the CEO tells you funding secured, yeah. lures people in. The stock, it's, I mean, you can't tell me this has been.
4: And you know who's had it right the whole time are the bondholders. The bonds trade 84 today. The bonds tell you a very different story than what the equity uh, has I told I mean, the
5: bond, but the bonds have traded down before, and they get their financing. So until until this game is over, you can still play it. I mean, this is a trading but show. We're not talking you? about investing. But why would you Because you've got a trading range with massive volatility that I have a very low, a very good risk-reward. I've got a very low stop-out point here at, let's call it 270 wouldn't I? Don't, Very low risk reward for a trade right here. If 270 is my stop, I can get in at 283 with a shot to get it back up to
0: 380. I'll take those odds your, all your day long. Your the downside at this point in at time is small it's, in view.
5: Right, that's so what you I'm want to get the, in the range. range every time. What's oh, a trading show. That's what I do for a living. The other problem, I, 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 I trade. That. So you buy it low and then you sell it high. You've
4: gone from 10
5: days outcast? to cover. Yeah.
4: 10 days to cover to two and a half days to cover right now. The short interest has come out of the stock. There's risks there. There's not the shorts to come to the rescue here and squeeze this thing higher. I think, particularly if you break 260, you're looking at a stock that goes much lower here. You've underperformed the S&P this year. You've underperformed the autos. Why not take a shot on GM? Why but not I, take a shot on BK? I'll be
5: nowhere near this stock at 260. I'll be no place in this at all at 260. At 270, BK is gone. He'll go and drive a Volt.
0: All right. For more on Tesla and why Wall Street thinks there is more pain ahead, head over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide, here's what else is coming up on the show.
5: There's one fast food stock that's hitting a fresh high today and leaving its biggest rivals in the dust. And this hot stock could be about to heat up. We've got the details. Plus, it's history in the making. Top technician Chris Barone is stepping up to the plate for a fast pitch. He says there's one beaten down stock that's about to break out. He'll tell us the name when we return. There's much more Fast Money after this.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money. Semi-stocks making a comeback this year, soaring off the December lows, nearly retracing all of its losses from the recent sell-off. Josh Lifton's in San Francisco to break it down for us. Hey, Josh.
6: Melissa, let's take a look at those semis using the SMH. Since the closing low on December 24th, it's now up nearly 30%. It saw dip a bit last week, though. Still up about 20% year-to-date. Some of the names making the biggest moves since that low. Xilinx. AMD, Micron, NVIDIA, and Intel. The team at Bank of America Merrill Lynch out with a new research note just today saying that fund managers cut back their allocations to semis, leaving them less exposed than their prior peak, so their betting managers flock back in. The data supports their buy, rating, buy ratings, they told clients on Xilinx, Intel, NVIDIA, and AMD. I also checked in with RBC's Mitch Steves. Now, he bets that the semis, excluding analog, do move higher from here. So that's memory, semi-cap equipment makers, as well as NVIDIA and AMD, in part because demand could be stronger than expected in certain key end markets in the back half of the year, like the data center and smartphones, he says. Biggest risk to the group, he argues, is that a trade deal does not get done between the U.S. and China, but Steve's bets that it does. Melissa, back to you.
0: All right, Josh. Thank you. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. For us, let's trade the semis. Dan Nathan, what do you say, especially in the week where we've got a major semiconductor deal?
2: In yeah. Well, listen, I think deals are really important when you think about the performance that we had from 2014 all the way up into the early 2017. It powered a lot of the outperformance that we saw in this group. And I think as you think about 2018, and we talked about it a lot, this group was one of the most uh, first cyclical groups to really roll over, and it never made a new high with the broad market. And I think a big part of that had to do with the fact that there was a lot of ordering ahead of expected trade war. So here's the issue. We have inventories that are high. They're going to take a little uh, time to back off. And like Josh just said, you know, the back half of the year could be a lot better. I would look at names like uh, Applied Materials, AMAT, that are really beaten down, Sentiment's really poor, um, Expectations are really low. That might be a name into the back half of the year that should see a pickup in orders.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah. for me, it's a no-touch for, for a while here. I think these, these are the leading edge of any type of weakness in the market. Now, it doesn't mean they have to go down and retest their lows. But again, I don't think we've priced in enough of the economic weakness. We haven't priced in a hiccup in the trade talks whatsoever. And so, up at these levels after this run, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for me to get long semis.
0: Well, you know, since we've got a technician here on the desk, Chris, why don't you head over to the plaza and break down the semis for us?
4: We're going to talk about this group a couple ways. And I actually think what's ironic here is as we celebrate the 10th anniversary of the bull market for the broader market, semis had a bear market last year. When you look at what the socks did. From March of 2018, and Dan's right, these things peaked early. They peaked in March of 18. They were down 27% from the highs down to the lows in December. Coming off those lows, up 30, so down 27, up 30. It leaves you right back uh, at the old highs. We've come in about 2% from the highs, so it's been a very modest pullback uh, over the last few weeks. And if we look at the longer-term chart here, I think the big question is we are right back into those resistance levels from March of 2018, but I think the difference this time around is they've reemerged as a leader. So in what has been a sideways or a challenging tape over the last several days, we've actually seen some really good outperformance uh, from this group. Now this is the SOX, this is cap-weighted. If we actually look at the equally weighted semiconductor index, this has already taken out those 2018 highs. So in equally weighted terms, semis actually act a lot better here. And I'm going to give you two that we like in particular. The first is the biggest uh, in the group. Uh, This is Intel. Broke out of this big base uh, last year. Um, Started to turn back up here uh, over the last several weeks. You think you get this above 55, 60. You're looking at maybe a 70 or $75 long-term chart. This is a very, very good picture. And then NVIDIA, a name that was certainly beaten down here they took 60% out of this one over the last number of months. It is now basing. We think it's turning. You start to get this above that 165 level, we think you give a run back to that 200-day moving average. So very tradable. NVIDIA, Intel looks good long-term. I think very importantly, equally weighted, semis have already broken out above those 2018
0: highs. Why don't you come back over to the desk, Chris? weird if
3: we left him over there it would be a a little empty chair here yes um would you rather yes okay here we go Intel or nvidia um and remember chris drawing with his middle finger does not mean he's being impolite (laughs) i think he changed
0: it up today
3: look it's okay (laughs) i i it's very effective it gets people's attention (laughs) so intel or sorry NVIDIA? NVIDIA, the Intel. Two- Intel. Intel, Okay. Um, and, and to me is this listening? is a, a combination of, of a couple things first of all just I, I would be leaning more towards the value I think some of the uh, the momentum in NVIDIA is, is certainly still needs to be proven again I think the company's come way down to valuation but I like the opportunities in 5G I think data center is kind of a um, a safe haven for these guys and a place where they continue to show uh, they can execute and outperform the competition.
0: Chris I'm curious because you said equal weight semis look good yeah. which implies that smaller cap semis have actually done well but you're recommending larger cap semis and so is there a thinking that they're going to catch up with their Sure.
4: Actually, when you look at, for example, like the Russell 2000 Uh semi-index, it has decisively uh, made new highs. So the real strength here, or the real alpha over the last number of weeks has come from the smaller ones. We like Intel longer term. I also like the yield uh, on that one as well. I think NVIDIA probably gives you the most bang for your buck in the short term. They washed this thing out down 60%. Skyworks might be one more that's washed out here starting to turn up. Okay.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, I'm bullishly positioned in Intel for a lot of the reasons that Tim just said, and I thought expectations got pretty low there. I think Nvidia sets up as a really interesting trade, though. Just from a sentiment standpoint, we know how positive it was last year. We know how quickly it turned. I think this base and that gap from January, November, there's a couple of gaps there, fill up to the 200 level um, on the slightest bit of good news. I mean, it just looks that way. And I'd be very surprised with the expectations where they are right now, that there is a considerable gap to the downside based on... There's no
0: skepticism in your view surrounding the Mellanox deal?
2: Well, I mean, listen, the street liked it. I, I, you know, like, so yeah. so, so it, we're not going to know the synergies. We're not going to know all that stuff for months and months and months. So here's the thing if this company feels that confident to make that size of a deal, they put up a beat and raise when they report after expectations have come down two quarters in a row. That stock's going to 180, 185, maybe 190.
4: And I think the big turn here was when Apple came out and warned earlier this year, Apple was telling you what the semis were telling you 12 months prior. Remember, all these stocks peaked in March, April of 2018. A lot of bad news has already been discounted uh, in these, I think, NVIDIA, I think Intel, I think Skyworks, are longs here.
3: Yeah, look, I, I think the presumption is that there's there are few catalysts to get us through this well-documented resistance on semis um, because of the world we live in and the trade war. But the, but the reality is that I, I do agree. I, I think people have zero expectation that semis could pick up uh, the boat. And think about how these companies really are tethered to enterprise spend, etc. I think some of that has to pick back up. Companies should have been cautious on that. And I think they could change their tune. Not overnight, but, I, you know, I don't see the upside that capped. Yeah, for me, NVIDIA's got the best upside here. I mean, Intel, I'm a buyer at 50 bucks or so, see
5: if it comes back just because it's had a bit of a run. Uh, but NVIDIA, to me, has the potential for just a bigger pop. To Dan's point, sentiment's terrible on it. It's traded sideways. You could have a big breakout. There's a gap. There's multiple different things that you could look at that would pull in multiple different types of traders. So I'd much rather be in that one.
0: All right, That's still how ahead. we play the
5: game, right? Rather? so yes. oh,
0: thank you Same. for getting back to that. Following the rules. Still ahead, Chipotle shares sizzling. That stock hitting a multi-year high today and uh, now up nearly 100% in the last 12 months. The company just did something that could keep the stock on fire. We've got the details. Plus, check out this chart of a key market indicator that could be pointing to a major breakdown for one lagging sector. That's like a... Rid, rid, uh, A riddle in a conundrum mm, surrounded
2: by by a (laughs) a mystery. I'll tell you what it is when Fast Money returns.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money Chipotle, rallying and hitting its highest level in more than three years today after the Fast Casual chain launched its own uh, loyalty program. Kate Rogers is back at
7: headquarters with the details. Hey, Kate. That's right. Chipotle launched its loyalty program nationwide this morning. Users can enroll online or via Chipotle's app. The company is teaming up with Venmo to build buzz during launch week, depositing surprise amounts from $1 to $500 directly into Venmo accounts for those who sign up at chipotlerewardme.com. This comes at a time when digital is growing quickly for the brand, up 66 percent in Q4 and accounting for nearly 13 percent of sales. CEO Brian Nickel told CNBC- exclusive that loyalty will further engage customers with its digital platform.
1: I think this is going to be a multiplier effect on our digital business and what we've really seen in the markets is people just get more engaged, more committed uh, in our digital system with the loyalty program.
7: Under Nichols' leadership, Chipotle has been moving to make the customer interaction more seamless, installing pickup shelves in stores for digital orders and testing out Chipotle lanes or drive-throughs for these digital orders as well. The company also has second make lines in stores for digital to speed up the process.
5: Chipotle has a significant advantage in that we've built dedicated kitchens to serve digital orders. And we've integrated those kitchens both with our app and with delivery drivers so that the orders come in in a way that's seamless. Uh, They don't interrupt the flow of the line in the restaurant.
7: And analysts say that's what Chipotle is really getting right here, creating a digital experience that is seamless from screen to store, with loyalty being the next step in building out that ecosystem. Melissa? All right. Thank you very much, Kate Rogers. Kate uh, Rogers at headquarters. Chipotle's
0: new loyalty program could let it cement its upper hand against one fast food rival. That would be McDonald's. While well, McDonald's has rallied 15 percent in the last year, that's nothing compared to Chipotle, which has almost doubled its share price in the same time period. So does this mean that Chipotle has become the new fast food king? Huh, Dan. I don't, I don't know why I went to Dan, but Dan.
2: Uh, I love myself a Chipotle burrito. Uh, here's the thing, <laughs> carnitas, obviously. Um, you know, I think one of the things that you just said there is was really interesting, they're building out separate kitchens not to avoid the flow of the line in the restaurant. What did we see last year when Starbucks, Starbucks started digital yeah. ordering? I mean, there's all these kind of pain points for this stuff, and I think, the, you know, a steady rollout, the combination uh, with the rewards program, and that sort of, it, it all makes sense to me. This is where it's all going, and then here's the thing. I mean, this is going to be you know, really nice upside for a Company trying to get back to uh, peak earnings, which you know we've all been kind of saying that's how you're going to value this thing going forward.
0: Are you know. we going to look back and, and at this chart and say this was Domino's, you know, 2014 through 2017? Mm-hmm.
4: I so. think so. And what strikes me is uh, people missed this from 200 to 400. They've missed it from 400 to 600, and I think they're going to miss it from 600 to 800. Uh,
3: the sentiment on but at this, what price, Chris? Because yeah, I don't mean to interrupt yeah, you. That's I, I, I do think that. Brian Nichols done an amazing job here, and I do think, you know, I've been probably not bullish. I haven't been shorting it or negative but on the stock for 300 bucks, so I'm one of those people. But I, I look at the valuation here, and at some point, look, a digital rollout, you know, yeah, that's great on loyalty. And by the way, that was great for McDonald's stock, and it was great for Domino's stock. But at some point, but how many bites can we take out of this one? Because we, we, we've rallied on a digital rollout for Chipotle, I feel like, for the last three months. And I think at some point, at, at, a, at a P.E. of over 60 right now, I have trouble with the stock.
0: Domino's rallied for three years. Yeah, on, but, but on their, their global growth
3: was unbelievable. I mean, do we do we expect that that's what Chipotle's kind of foundation for? for I, for
5: I don't. I don't see why it could. I mean, the momentum's very strong in this. They're firing on all c- cylinders. Uh, to me, I just wouldn't stand in front of this. they we, This has gone from a company that had all kinds of PR problems to now all of a sudden they're firing every cylinder. You go to any Chipotle, they're busy now. But that doesn't mean you that McDonald's is going to get hurt by this. If you just look at how McDonald's has traded, it. Looks to me like this coiled spring if they can fire on a couple cylinders and i know they're doing quite well but if they can fire on a couple cylinders they too could break out like this so i think you can stay long chipotle maybe take a third off and start buying mcdonald's
4: I think what's been so unique about this sector is how bifurcated it's been. Chipotle's been good, McDonald's has been decent, Wendy's is rolling over, Domino's is rolling over. I think you can own McDonald's, I think you can own Chipotle, but this is not a group call here. And I wonder if right. there's a message there about growth or about that space well, that some of
3: its peers here have actually rolled well, what over what people want
0: to eat or don't want to eat yep. these days.
3: Well, uh, but again, you could probably still bifurcate McDonald's and Chipotle being in different places on that spectrum. Um, I do think that fast food, fast casual are are destroyed by minimum wage. Mm -hmm. not making a statement of should people earn more. I'm telling you that their labor costs have gone a lot higher.
0: Coming up, check out this chart of one economic indicator on the verge of reaching a key level. We'll tell you what it is and what it could mean for the markets. Plus, Chris here stepping up to the plate, getting ready to pitch one Dow stock trading near its highest level since right after (laughs) October, the October sell-off. Find out the name and what has them so bullish when Fast Money Returns.
7: Well, we've got a very
1: uh, strong portfolio, which gives us the ability to have a balanced approach to uh, investment in our business, uh, where we've got growing production, less risk, and disciplined spending, which leaves plenty of free cash for shareholder distributions. And so we're able to balance shareholder distributions with growth in a way that is really underpinned by our very uh, strong and attractive portfolio.
0: That was Chevron CEO Michael Worth on Squawk Alley earlier today on boosting the company's CapEx for the year, which could be good news for in-house technician Chris Verone, who, in a Fast Money First, is giving us a very special fast pitch tonight. So, Chris, why don't you take it away?
4: we're going to make a contrarian call uh here on energy. The first observation uh, I would just point out, crude is quietly acting really well here. This is Brent uh, up through 65 despite all the concerns about global growth. Uh, oil uh, acts well. These are the energy stocks relative to the S&P. We think they can play some catch up given how well uh, crude here is acting. When you look at the long term on a secular basis, I also think it's worth noting that the energy weight in the S&P is back to its historic 98, 99 low, about 5%. So you're at the lowest weighting ever. Crude's acting okay. I think you can buy CVX here. And when you look at the turn here, you've seen some relative improvement. This is a five-month relative high for CVX. You've started to break out uh, of this little base Uh, We think higher, crude better, CVX, one way to play.
0: All right. Does anybody have uh, questions for Chris here? Oh, BK. Yes. Yes.
5: In fact, I do. So, Chris, looking at all these, are you looking more for the breakouts in this space or some of the laggards? I mean, Chevron looks to me like it's about kind of the breakout. Yeah. um, But there are a lot of laggards out there. How do you differentiate the two technically?
4: Yeah, there's plenty of laggards out there. What kind of interests us here, given how bad the sector has been, I think if you're going to look for flows into the group, it's probably going to be the more defensive names, uh, the Chevrons, the Exxons. Conversely, you know, the service names, the EMP names are still quite weak. One thing I would note, you have started to see the pipelines act a little bit better here. The MLPs, Kinder Morgan, Williams. That might be one other way to play it, but this is about starting to dip your toe into what is a
3: very out of consensus call. Chris, how do you see Chevron re, re, uh, trading relative to its peer group? So the other big yeah. integrated players, not even so much Exxon, because I think they have issues, but maybe even a Royal Dutch, a BP, your thoughts? Well, I think
4: what's interesting, when you look at some of the global ones, the Royal Dutch,es the BPs, those were actually your leaders last year. I think there's a reversal going on right now. and Just given how hard this sector is, we have to own leadership. I think CVX gives you your best chance uh, at finding that here.
0: All right, time to vote. Are you buying or selling Chris's pitch for CVX? Uh, Dan Nathan, why don't you uh,
2: watch I'm a talk? seller. Um, I just think that, you know, obviously, despite
3: this
0: <laughs> first,
2: first uh, oh, position, don't you watch the O.A. on Friday?
7: And the XLE. I just think home. the
2: dollar where it is right now, the expectations Sorry. for global growth reflation anytime soon isn't great. He said it himself. It's a bit contrarian. I'm a seller here. It's
5: come a long ways in a short period of time you know what? I'm, I'm the exact opposite. I'm a contrarian to risk reversal. I'm a buyer <laughs> for all the reasons he just said. If you look at oil, it's behaving unbelievably well with a strong dollar, weak global growth. Every time it wants to go down, it pops back up like a cork in the ocean. You buy that one. Tim. So
6: look,
3: I, by the way, I TiVo OA religiously. Oh, now you're um, backtracking. Yeah, I'm a out buyer of a here hole. of Chris's pitch. Listen to what the what CEO is he a talked boy scout? about. Yeah, well, he looks like one. A That's scout. a compliment, yeah. by the way. He's, he's probably an eagle scout. Yeah. Uh, but but I think the combination of the CEO talked about free cash flow. He talked about discipline in spending. That's why this company stands above their peers in the integrated space.
0: All right. Well, do you at home think Chris's pitch for Chevron has good energy? Haha. Uh-huh. Vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We will reveal the results later in the show. Plus. Financials lagging the markets this month and one trader just made a big bet one major player in the space could continue to roll over. We'll break it down. We're live at the Nasdaq and Times Square. Much more Fast Money still ahead. We've got Market flash on Kraft Heinz The stock jumping after hours. Let's get to Leslie Picker for all the details. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Melissa. Kraft Heinz hiring RBC to review options for the company's Breakstone unit. That's according to a
5: story just put out by CNBC.com's Lauren Hirsch, who is citing people familiar with the situation. Breakstone includes dairy brands related to cottage cheese, butter, sour cream, and CNBC is reporting it could fetch about $400 million in a sale. Now, RBC didn't respond to CNBC's request for comment. Kraft Heinz declined to comment. Kraft Heinz has been, of course, slimming its portfolio to help bring down some of that leverage and refocus the company, Melissa.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Leslie Picker back at headquarters. So potential sale, $400 million. That seems like a drop in the bucket in terms yeah. of the Blast debt that time that I has, checked. the problems. Sam it-
3: Breakstone, not a catalyst for your stock, um, especially with all the issues here. And, and even if you didn't have these issues, uh, the reality is the reason why maybe some of this stuff went on, whatever we're going to call this, is because the top line hasn't been growing here for a long time. Um, so, yes, selling off pieces, 400000000 million doesn't change the calculus.
0: Yeah, how does the chart look?
4: stock's been in the bear market for two plus years. We looked at it a couple weeks ago, down 40%, 50%. Yeah. Uh, it takes more than this for us to change our tune.
0: All right, let's get to our chart of the day now because it's a good one. Check out the 10-year yield. Nearing a two-month low and coming dangerously close to closing below the 260 level for the first time since January 3rd. Just how low can it go? What could this mean for the markets? And, of course, the first thing you think about, Dan, The financials, obviously. Yeah,
2: I mean, listen, we spent a lot of time talking about net interest margins for these big uh, money center banks. And, you know, they've really underperformed um, over the last year and a half, much like we've talked about groups like the semis here. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've seen this two 10-year spread just kind of grinding down to levels close to inversion. We know what happens when that inverts within 12 to 18 months. Almost every economist or strategist we have on here says we have a recession. What are the most economically sensitive groups of stocks here? Thanks. And they're likely to kind of feel it, you know, first. It's one of the reasons why we've had this underperformance. So to
5: me, you know, it all makes sense to me. I just, there's, there's going to be a time in the next 60 to 90 days that you're going to be able to buy the banks they have to reprice in this flat yield curve but there is no way the Fed is going to let the yield curve go negative just by their actions so they have a lot of levers that they can pull if you want to play this you can buy two years and then wait for the banks to come okay
2: last year I mean they were doing a lot of things that were inadvertently making it kind of get flatter and then this year they were kind of thinking about different ways to kind of make it get right, steeper. but they, they and can, thing, it, 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 it just goes lower I mean no, how their balance a, sheet oh, they Draghi's can do, to make yeah, they have their yeah.
3: balance so sheet that they can use yep. europe's not helping so um and i do think that that's a weight down on u.s yields and the differentials are getting to extremes uh to where we've seen them here's the other side of this though i, I don't i think people underestimate the amount of supply that's coming in the u.s mm-hmm. in the treasury market mm-hmm. um and and that's going to put upward pressure and and think about a trade deficit that we just got last month think about uh, you know the, the fact that matters if this economy is slowing and and Dan, I'm surprised you're not on this, I mean the the lack of uh, support for this administration um to the extent that we've seen central banks diversifying out of treasuries but more importantly treasury supply is an issue for yields it is
4: and tim i might add to that when you look at the way bank of america has actually acted the last couple days it held 28 that was a big level reversed right off it uh, back to 29 you have actually seen copper act really well here too copper can be a little bit of a leading indicator for rates i think the lower rate story is well known and maybe the question is dan is the market up because rates are down or are rates down, and therefore that 's a risk to the market I think that 's the big question going forward. I might take the former. I think the market is up because rates are down yeah.
7: and you take the I, I,
2: I take the latter because yeah. I think at this stage of this recovery, I think the reasons why rates are down is just not a good setup here after you know just this after the extraordinary measures, the, the world central banks have gone just to get us right here.
0: Well, Chris had mentioned Bank of America. It is one top performer in the sector this year, but one trader thinks the rally is about to end when the company reports earnings next month, Dan. Why don't you break down the action? Yeah,
2: I think it's really important. Chris just said it. I mean, this is a very constructive-looking stock. It's bounced off of 28 a couple times. There was one trade that kind of caught my eye in Bank America. It was in the April 26th weekly 28-strike puts. There was a buyer opening uh, 15,000 of the 28 puts, paying 47 cents. Those break even at 27.53 on April 26th. Obviously, it's going to catch not only Bank America's earnings, but all the U.S. Money Center banks will have reported by April 26th. So to me, you know, I think it's really interesting. We have a one-year chart right here of Bank America. Like Chris just said, it bounced off of twenty-eight a couple times this year. But you do see that gap, and that was from their Q4 earnings. It's at uh, from twenty-six to twenty-eight. And when I see a trade like this, I kind of think protection for a long holder looking to kind of just have some room to the downside in case it goes back to fill that gap on a miss. And then just real quickly, we were talking about that two ten spread. Yep. We have a we have a chart right here over the last few years. I mean, I'm hard pressed to think that doesn't end- And I understand the fact that when it inverts, it doesn't exactly mean that we're going to have a recession and everything goes to hell in a handbasket. But it's important to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, Tim, you're in a city at this point.
3: I'm in city. I'm in Bank of America. Okay. And I just think that the valuations in these in these banks reflect more recessionary conditions. I I I can't argue that that banks have traded well. I can't argue um, that the net interest margin dynamic is something. But if the global if the U.S. economy and the lending environment continues to be sideways. These banks are too cheap for me.
0: You know, going back to the, uh, the chart of the 10-year yield, Chris, yep. Santelli all day today was talking about 255 as being a very key level, and if it breaks 255, that's, you know... Disaster, mm-hmm. um, but if it goes if it stays above, then that paves the way for higher rates at this you point.
4: Know, I think what's interesting is right now when you look at flows into the TLT, which is the long bond ETF, they're in the 95th percentile of ev- of every observation going back the last ten years. So there's a lot of money betting lower yields here. I might be careful pressing that bet right now, particularly with copper up, banks maybe acting a little bit better. Even some of the European banks have not taken this last leg lower uh, with German yields. Yeah. there's something to watch. All
0: right. For more Options Action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up next, the results from a poll on Chris's uh, first fast pitch ever and final Exciting. grades. Wow. Here's a question. Do you know what Chris Verone loves to listen to when I he's practicing his walk over to the plasma and drawing on his chart with his middle finger to get ready for fast money? <laughs> it is... Tony Braxton, of oh, course, sorry, Chris, uh, on your very first Fast Pitch, it is <laughs> crushing. a loss. Yeah. Oh, we um, got our dance dance fans are that buying. That well, that's because the, the margin remix. of loss is so small. It's the narrowest it's been in a long time. Really? Oh, 41% said yes, 59% said no, which is way better than what it's you guys a have pulled former. I thought the, exactly. the dance
3: version of Unbreak My Heart made you really awful.
0: Celine Dion <laughs> I like is that are. league. Yeah. Anyway, final trade time, Tim.
3: Okay, so McDonald's I don't think is awful either. In fact, U.S. comp's growing 2.5%. is good enough for me right now.
0: McDonald's. Chris.
4: CVX, we think it's getting better. Play the bounce and Crude. That's how you do it.
0: Brian Kelly.
5: You know, another way to play the bounce and Crude is to go to those services. Look at Schlumberger, Schlumberger, SLB. That's the one you buy.
7: Dan.
2: Uh, I'm I looking at, at Schlumberger and Chevron making up 20% of the XLE, and I'm a seller of that
0: one. That a boy. Nice to be against everybody, Dan. <laughs> That does it for us here on Fast. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.